Welcome to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we will discuss all things related to physical preparation, including rehab, performance, and education. Welcome back to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance. This is Nick Perugini. I'm joined today with Dr. Ray Carr. How's everyone doing today? Coach Rob Rabina. What's going on, everyone? And our special guest on today's podcast, Kat Hammer. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me on, guys. We're going to be talking to Kat today about her path and her evolution uh, as a, a, diet, a future dietitian. And Kat has a unique past that she's going to share with us and, and share about how we're, we're viewing, you know, uh, nutrition for athletes. We're going to talk a little bit about pre and post working out. We're going to talk about some of the things that she's seeing uh, in athletics in regards to uh, optimal performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, some weight loss as well. Uh, so Kat has a unique history. Again, Westchester University uh, undergrad degree, studied nutrition and dietetics. While at Westchester, she also played softball, went on to uh, get a master's degree at, at University of Tampa, where she studied exercise and nutrition science. Uh, before she went down there, she also spent some time with the coach, Rob Rabina, at MSI, working as an intern strength coach. Uh, and again, she's, she's gone on to spend uh, two seasons uh, with an affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates, working in, in their nutrition and, and dietetics uh, department. Uh, and is now currently going through a program affiliated with Virginia Tech to, uh, to go ahead and get that uh, RD, the Registered Dietitian uh, Certificate. So uh, without further ado, we'll let Kat kind of recap and talk a little bit about her path and her evolution and, uh, and what she's currently up to these days. Yeah, well, thanks, Nick. Um, so while I was at Westchester playing softball, I went in and was studying nutrition and dietetics, like you said. Um, and of course, growing up as an athlete, I'm just used to working with athletes. And I realized while I was in my undergrad program that when we would do group projects with uh, general population case, case studies and stuff like that, I had a hard time taking the athlete in me out of that situation. So I always wanted to apply, apply like, you know, these, um, these performance principles, even like from my early time in undergrad, just because that's how I always associated things as far as nutrition. So I knew pretty early on that I wanted to work with athletes. Um, so then because the dietetic internship match system is pretty complicated and there's a lot of things that go into it, um, the match system is really hard to get into and to get matched to a program. So I wanted to pursue a master's degree that kind of focused more in a specialty area. So that's why I chose exercise and nutrition science. And that was definitely inspired a large part by Rob. Um, I learned so much working with him in a short period of time. And I knew that if I wanted to work with athletes, I really had to understand them, not just from a nutrition perspective, but like, what is the athlete actually doing? What are their actual needs? Um, I just wanted to get a better understanding of that. And then that program there, um, fully research-based. It was really interesting um, looking at more case study examples because you learn like an undergrad, you know, the or like the ideal situation kind of thing. So when you're working with an individual, you're giving them these percentages for their macronutrient breakdown and everything's perfect and it's this ideal situation. And then when you're looking at more case study examples, it is 
completely different and it's so individualized. And that was something really cool. And then working with the pirates was such an interesting population. Um, of course, it's a very, you think it's a very, um, everyone's along the same lines, but you have such a huge variation within that. Um, you have people who are trying to maintain weight, lose weight, lose weight, gain weight, um, maintain muscle mass, all of those kinds of things. So I was working with them on basically anything that touched nutrition. So I was actually cooking for home game meals, uh, catering for away game meals, but then doing anything um, as far as supplementation, weight management, um, all of those things. So it was so many cool experiences in such a short amount of time. Um, yeah, it was awesome. That's great. And then that led you to, you know, your kind of your, your current program, is that correct? At, at Virginia Tech? At Virginia Tech, yeah. yes. So I was kind of talking about the match system. So um, I was looking for a program, an internship program that would give me an opportunity to work in sports nutrition because I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And Virginia Tech offered that. So I'm currently in the um, part of my internship where I'm working with Virginia Tech Athletics and working with some of those athletes. Um, and then I also got the experience to work with the Navy SEALs in Virginia Beach. So that was really, really cool. That opened me up to a whole new aspect of, of performance nutrition. It really um, made me step back and think of how specific it can get, especially when you're dealing with not just winning or losing a game. It's like, you know, winning or losing your life. Um, and so you're really looking at um, biomarkers of performance, which is something I was never really exposed to before. So they're doing um, blood tests multiple times per year. And then the dietitian is going in and treating those tests with nutrition, which is really, really cool. Awesome. Too cool. And, you know, what in what's next for you, right? Where do you where do you want to go from here? Yeah. Um, I think like end goal would to be have to have my own business, but I think I would love to get into an organization. This is kind of my thought process right now. I'd love to get into an organization that has the resources of um, measuring body comp and also just learning more. Um, I think that would be really helpful for me in my professional career, um, but definitely one day I would like to have my own performance nutrition business. Awesome. And, and Kat, you know, we, we've, we've seen you around at MSI and I know you, you know, you've offered your services to some of the, the players, right. A part of the, the professional, um, you know, development pro pro program at MSI. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, some of those services and, you know, what exactly a session looks like for you, right. And, and, and what exactly are you, are you, are you educating? Are you kind of taking over people's meals? What does that service look like um, that, that you've been you know, offering at MSI? Yeah, so a huge part of sports nutrition is education. The education component is key. Nutrition is so, so much of a different science than other things is because it's so personal to people. So when you think about food, you associate it with comfort, family, tradition, culture, all of those things. Um, and so when you are something as simple as asking somebody what they ate that day, they're going to be really hesitant to share that information with you because it's very personal. So a lot of uh, sports nutrition and nutrition in general is that counseling aspect of um, understanding associations with food, why they have these aversions, why they love certain foods, why they hate certain foods, why they don't eat breakfast, why they 
have this huge dinner every night. You know what I mean? So a lot of it working with the athletes at Maple Zone is understanding um, why they have these dietary habits and then trying to intervene in a way that still honors their um, food preferences and stuff like that while also improving performance through those things. So the first session that I normally have with them is pretty lengthy. It's normally about an hour and it's really just asking them a ton of questions like what is their goal really hearing them out understanding where they want to be versus where you see them being so kind of meeting in the middle there and then also getting really um detailed with their food history so i'll ask them like what time are you waking up in the morning and then go through every single meal and snack throughout the day and making sure we're getting like all those little things so like um are you having coffee what are you putting in your coffee like just making sure you know everything um, that they're putting in their bodies that day because little things when you get to higher levels of performance little things can make a huge difference so you really have to understand what they are doing awesome and again you know you're primarily working with athletes you know of all levels right so youth to middle school to high school to even you know pro yeah you know in, in some of these situations are you having parents with you as well when you're having these conversations yeah, so that's a whole different thing is when you're working with an athlete and they also are still young where they have their parent with them because the athlete can control certain things when they're that young, but they can't control everything. So their parent is the one that's doing the grocery shopping. Their parent is the one that's cooking. So you're not only counseling the kid, but you're also counseling the parent. And then a the thing that I have run into that's a little bit of a tough conversation is we kind of talked about this before we got on um, this call, but um, trying to tell a parent that they have been unintentionally, of course, um, chronically underfeeding their child is a really hard conversation because um, that makes them feel uncomfortable, like they're not parenting in the right way. Um, but also that's something that's really, really important um, to have them understand, uh, especially for performance. They need extra calories. And we, we don't think that these young athletes need as many calories as they do, but these young athletes who are in like middle school, high school need over 2000 calories for sure. Um, and it's sometimes the exact amount of calories that an adult male or something like that needs. So I think it's what, I think the actual calorie need for young athletes is way higher than we, than we presume it is. Right. And I, I think we should, I think we should keep going on that a little bit. So you know, you're kind of, you're kind of coming to this conclusion. It sounds like you're gathering a lot of information, right? You're taking a history. You're trying to gather what this day-to-day -day looks like from a nutrition standpoint, you know, and you're coming to the conclusion that, okay, you know, we're probably under fueled, right? Yeah. How are you starting to communicate or have that conversation with either, you know, an, a client or, you know, a family member as well? Are you kind of, are you kind of like doing some math? Are you showing them the calculations? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so normally when you look at a diet history, um, you can see some holes right away. So you'll work with athletes and you'll be asking, okay, what are you having for breakfast? And they have like one piece of toast. So already just looking at that, they're gonna be low on, low on fat, low on protein for the day, and definitely low on carbohydrate as well. Um, so going through the diet history, you can already see holes and places you can fill in. And for every athlete that I work with, I don't um, have them, or I will calculate their energy needs, but I don't share that with them necessarily. The only time I share that with them is if I feel like they are appropriate for 
macronutrient tracking. And I don't think all individuals are, especially young athletes. Like I said, if you're looking at their diet history and they have one piece of toast for breakfast, and then they have a PB&J for lunch with some water or Gatorade or something like that. And then dinner is like a normal dinner, but they're not really snacking throughout the day. Like there are so many places where you can add foods um, and ha get them closer to their fueling goals. Um, and another thing that I like to do is always act like you're adding things, not taking things away. So if you are an individual who loves whole milk and you're trying to lose weight, okay, well, for weight loss, whole milk is not, we're not going to associate whole milk with weight loss. However, if you love whole milk, then fine, let's keep it in there. But let's just like take out something else throughout the day. Um, does that make sense? We always want to have them thinking that they are keeping things and we're not taking things that they are really um, passionate about or feel personal about. We don't want to take those things. Yeah. Away. Yeah, right, like I love like I love pasta, you know, like I, I got to have my pasta. No, yeah. you're not, you're, no one's taking that away, cat. Exactly. And that's what I, I use that example a lot because my family's Italian. And if we're going to have an Italian dinner, we're not having whole grain pasta. That's crazy. No. No. Right? So blasphemy. <laughs> exactly. So there are certain things in the diet that you just don't want to mess with with certain people. Another thing is like ice cream. If you love ice cream, fine, we'll keep it in there. We'll limit how much we're going to have um, or limit how many times we have it. But that's something that we're not taking away from people. That, that's cool. Like, do you, do you ever, I, I know you spoke upon like education, you know, like, do you have to educate on like portion size? Because I feel like especially the athletes that we're seeing, you know, a lot of their goals are, are kind of weight gain. You know, is that, do you see a lot of athletes that are kind of eating the, the, the right foods, you know, but they're just not eating enough portions? Is that, is that something that you're kind of running into with these, with these younger athletes? Yeah, so the portion, um, of course you want them to be eating the right portions, but what I have found is that when you're just adding these foods, adding these extra foods, and so taking the example from before of like the really minimal breakfast, just the PB&J for lunch, if you just add foods in there that you think would fit. So like um, for breakfast, we want to have a well-rounded breakfast so we can have eggs as our protein. We can have the egg yolks as the fat um, and then like two pieces of toast and like fruit or something like that. At that point, we don't really have to talk about like specific portions. We're just talking about adding more food. The time when we would talk about portions is if we really get into um, we're hitting a plateau or we are going to talk about macronutrient tracking, but for a lot of the young athletes, you just need to show them that they need to add like these categories of food. So carbs, fat, protein, and then the micronutrients, um, some color in there. Kat, how does, um, so like, say you're working with a higher level athlete, um, how does your strategy change from weight loss to maintenance to weight gain? Yeah. So for the higher level athletes, I think it's really, really, really important that you know their activity level um, and you know what their goals are. I mean, it's those things are important for all athletes, but when you're working with the professional athletes, they're going to be your trained athletes, right? So you guys, I'm sure you understand exactly what I'm saying. When you're working with younger athletes, when you add or change one variable, you're going to have a result. When you're working with the pro athletes, and you want to get to a goal, you're going to have to work more specifically for certain things. So it's just taking a look a little bit closer at some of the variables like activity level. Um, and also the little things like, are you, 
and most athletes are not doing this at Maple Zone or um, in this area, but like, are you walking to the gym? Um, what are you doing throughout the day? Are you active or not active? Are you sitting at a computer or not? But those little things could have a huge difference as well. Yeah. One, I feel like one of the, one of the things that, you know, is, is unique about, you know, one, you know, nu nutrition, dietetics, and also like, you know, physical therapy is it's, it's sometimes really hard to give general advice, right? Because it's such a individualized, it's such an individualized craft right? And, and science really. Um, and, and sometimes I know it's something like I, I feel sometimes uncomfortable about is, you know, giving general broad advice, you know, and it sounds like what you're doing, Kat, is you're really taking into account, you know, the individual circumstances, you know, their expectations, their current behaviors, you know, societal, you know, factors of how they were brought up. Um, and all of those things are going into how you're developing a program or a plan um, to get this person to a desired place, right? Their, their goal. And I think that's really special. And I think that's kind of the future of, of, a, lot of a lot of these things, right? Is having an individualized uh, designed program for your fitness needs, for your rehab needs, right? For your nutrition needs. So I think that's really cool that you're kind of you know, in that front line of evolution for nutrition design. Yeah, for sure. And what you're saying with, um, it's really hard giving these general guidelines. Hard. I mean, people like will throw the dietary guidelines under the bus because it doesn't work for everyone. And yeah, it's not going to, it's for healthy individuals who aren't super, super active and aren't sedentary and whatever else. So yeah, it's so specific to certain people, even like as far as like the um, breakdown of like carbs and fat. So like when we're talking about macronutrients and we're talking about um, the percentage of them, protein is something that's going to stay pretty consistent, but then carbs and fat, because they're both used for energy sources, not, they can't, they can't necessarily be used interchangeable, but they can, they can be used like that to a degree. So it's finding out the individual, what their preferences are, what their body feels best um, functioning off of. So yeah, it's, it's super individualized. And then taking into account all the societal things. So like, what is their family like? How are they raised? What time of day do they like to eat? Um, you do have to work within like somewhat of a structure, but also you need to take all of their information into account. Kat, do you have any uh, recommendations when it comes to like pre or post-workout supplements, like BCAAs, anything like that? Um, just hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So um, just to preface, the supplement industry is crazy. Um, I could make a supplement today and slap a label on it and start selling it tomorrow. Um, it's not regulated by the FDA unless a supplement is dinged to cause some kind of health defect, like somebody died from a heart attack, then the FDA may regulate that supplement. Um, so most supplements are not regulated pretty much at all. Um, but there are third party agencies that regulate them like NSF. So just starting out, you should always look for a supplement that is regulated. Um, as far as pre-workout, caffeine is definitely um, a supplement that you can use and you can get that in a pre-workout form in a powder. Um, as far as BCAAs for a pre-workout, um, a lot of pre-workout supplements have them um, and they may help to rebuild muscle, but 
I don't know if that's something that you want to be spending money on. If your diet is um, consistent and you are intaking protein like every three to four hours at that point, I don't know if BCAAs um, would be necessary. Um, as far as other pre-workouts, uh, I'm always a I'm a food first kind of person. That's always my approach. So if you are somebody who's eating consistently throughout the day, there aren't many holes in your diet. Um, you could do a pre-workout that's like fruit snacks or like applesauce, um, or you could do coffee or you can do fruit or something like that. So the coffee, of course, is going to have the caffeine in there and those fruits and fruit snacks and stuff I talked about have those simple carbs. So they break down quickly and they're going to be energy for your body. And then at that point, you're saving money on supplements. So I like it. awesome. Awesome. And again, we, we said we don't, we don't love giving out general advice now for kind of like a post-workout. Do you have any principles, right? I hear a lot about, you know, the window of gains, right? And kind of nutrient timing and percentage breakdown. You know, are there any, again, broad, you know, non-individualized, you know, principles that you're following for post-workout? Yeah. So um, I think Rob will like this one. So Brad Schoenfeld, who actually was like one of the founders of like that nutrient timing, anabolic window kind of thing, um, has come out with new research that says that anabolic window is really not as sensitive as we once thought it was. So um, if you're consuming full meals or you're consuming protein in adequate amounts every three to four hours, that window of opportunity becomes less important. So nice. um, as far as post-workout, if you haven't eaten in that three to four hour window, um, then you definitely should get, or if you have eaten outside of that window, then you definitely should get a pre-workout meal in or shake or something like that pretty much right away. But if you really ate like a full meal before your workout, I know some people are able to do that, which... I'm definitely not, but that, um, that timing can be pushed back a little bit. You don't need that right away. As far as actual nutrient content of that meal, we definitely want to go with protein and this is general, but 20 to 40 grams of protein would be, um, an adequate amount. And then you actually want to couple protein with carbohydrates, um, so that you can refill those glycogen stores or those energy stores help you for your workout the next day also help you to recover. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah, one kind of quick, like, general question for you. This might be tough to answer, but you know, sometimes I, I get this question too, and I don't really know how to, how to answer it, but, like, it's like, Rob, what are your thoughts on paleo? Rob, what are your thoughts on X, X and X diet? You know, like, all these kind of, like, quote-unquote diets, you know, I feel like I get those questions all the time. Like, do you think this is good? Like, you know, carb-free, low-carb, like, all these like, like keto rash. Yeah. All these like rash kind of diets. Like, you know, I, I have a general thought on it, but you know, I think everyone would love to hear your opinion on just like all these kind of rash diets. Cause you feel like you hear good stories and you hear bad stories and it works. It doesn't work. It only works for this amount of time. And then, you know, so there, let's kind of hear your thoughts on some of these like radical quote unquote kind of diets. Yeah. This might be my favorite topic. <laughs> um, I'm sure it is. <laughs> so as far as diets, I think something important to consider is when somebody is going on one of these diets, whether it be keto, paleo, low carb, um, whatever it may be, the difference between their diet before and their diet now is that they're probably tracking their intake, um, which means that probably tracking their macronutrient intake, they're being more observant to those things. 
and they're probably in a caloric deficit. Um, so if you're losing weight, it's because you're in a caloric deficit. You really can't lose weight being in a caloric surplus or even at maintenance. So um, these diets um, require people to look at their intakes uh, a little bit closer. Um, so, you know, a well-balanced diet is the best thing. They have recently said that the Mediterranean diet, which I wouldn't really consider like a diet like keto or something like that. I mean, the Mediterranean diet focuses on unsaturated fats, moderate amounts of protein, whole grains. So if, yeah, that's, that's what we're looking for. So if you're asking me like, what kind of diet is the best? Or if an athlete asks me what kind of diet is the best, I'm going to say a balanced diet or a diet that works for you, a diet that's sustainable, a diet that helps you get to your goals. Um, so yeah. Stop making so much sense, Kat. Come on. That's not, that's not what we want to hear. <laughs> it's like it, these things you can get so carried away with them with like really looking at like, why, why does keto work? Or like, why does paleo work? Right. But when you, I'm sure you guys experience this too. When you take a step back and think about like just the simplicity of it, when you keep things simple, a lot of times it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a really, you know, crucial piece of advice for a lot of people just to understand that, you know, probably anything on the extreme ends of the spectrum is not necessarily the best way to go about it. If our goal is one sustainability, you know, two performance. Right. Right. And those diets, especially for athletes, for, for general population, like, somebody really wanted to do keto. All right. We may, if, if they're really, really on that kick, you can help guide them through it, but you need to transition them into um, what they're going to do for the rest of their life. Cause they're not doing keto for the rest of their life. It's right. just not sustainable. And especially for athletes, the easiest thing to, to tell them is it's not going to fuel you, fuel you for performance. And normally they'll be sold on that. So. Yeah. Okay, I have no, I have another good question for you. Yeah. Explain, explain what happens when someone does fit. Ooh. I think Rob's connection got a little funky there. I think he was asking about intermittent fasting. Sorry, I kind of, my internet kind of took a, took a little wrong direction there. I say, explain what happens to the body when someone does a fasted cardio session. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. So when someone does a fasted cardio session, so – when we're talking about a fasted session, we're probably talking about something in the morning after your body has been in a fast overnight. So it's probably going to be at least an eight hour fast. Um, and at that point, so you have these, um, these energy reserves or um, energy stores called glycogen and they're in your muscles and they're also in your liver. And so your body uses the muscle stores first and then the liver um, stores second. And um, through the night when you are fasting, your body burns through those muscle stores and then starts to tap into your liver store. So um, you're kind of going through all those glycogen stores or all your carbohydrate stores. So when someone is doing a facet workout in the morning, that means that they have uh, all those stores are gone. And so then they're going to have that crossover effect where they start to use fat um, for their fuel source. And so the whole thought process of that is that they burn fat and Yes, that may be true, but also we need to consider um, that they need to be refueling in the right way to be able to have the improvements that they want. So I am not a huge proponent of fasted cardio. To me, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And also to me, for the people who are doing it, are, are looking for that quick result. 
Um, usually people are not looking for a sustainable thing. Um, so I, I wouldn't generally recommend it, but if you are somebody who likes to do fast cardio, just because you have like GI distress or something when you work, then when you're working out, just need to make sure that post-workout meal is adequate, um, to get your body, to get all those stores back. Kat, what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Yeah. Um, intermittent fasting. So I think it could be a great tool for certain individuals. So intermittent fasting would be like throughout the day you have like, let's say an eight hour, uh, eating window. So you're going to eat from 11 AM to 7 PM. And then once 7 PM hits, then you're cut off for the night. You don't eat again until 11 AM that next morning. So, um, what they thought is kind of similar to the fast cardio that you're going to start burning through your fat stores. Um, and really what they have found is that when you're only eating for an eight hour window, you're probably putting your body in a caloric deficit. So that's what's causing the weight loss. And so for individuals who are big nighttime snackers, um, and are just having trouble not snacking at night, but they like a challenge, then having them do intermittent fasting is probably a good thing, um, because it cuts them off, but you have to make sure that within that eight hour window, you're eating consistently because I have done it and I have tried it and you find yourself forgetting about it and then not feeling super hungry. So you need to make sure you're very intentional with your caloric intake during that time. So it's not just about like crushing as much food as you can because you're going to be burning fat during your fast. Um, it's really just about cutting yourself off, putting yourself in a caloric deficit. Gotcha. Cool. Rob, Ray, you guys got anything else for Kat here? Not off the top of my head. I mean, I, I just want to, we kind of talked earlier a little bit about the individualization and, and it's, it's really cool to see the uh, results of a good nutrition program coupled with a good strength and conditioning program coupled with a good performance, you know, skill-based uh, program. It, it, it really, it really adds, um, I think not only a lot of benefit to the player, but also like also confidence. I've seen a lot of confidence in a lot of my younger athletes, you know, when they, when they know that their that their kind of nutrition box is checked. Um, you know, they know that they're putting on weight, you know, their, their, their confidence goes up They're They start to add on an extra plate in the gym. You know, they see the, the, the velo go up a tick or two, you know? So it's, it's I just want to kind of cover that. Like it's a, it's a really cool piece that, you know, a lot of people might not think to, that it's that important that uh, like, you know, how much really can my performance change by changing my nutrition program? I think it can change a lot. And, you know, I've only not, not only seen it firsthand, but, you know, seen it, um, you know, just in my, my athletes, just overall mentality, confidence, and just kind of mental makeup, you know, and I think the, Kat, you mentioned like the, the counseling aspect. I think that's a really cool thing. Uh, and I, I didn't even, I didn't even really think of that. I, I knew nutrition and kind of dietetics was very behavioral but the the counseling aspect was that something that you kind of had to learn how to do like did you take any extra psychology courses like that kind of counseling aspect of the nutrition side like you learn all the science and nutrition and all the exercise but now you're kind of getting into a little bit psych stuff can you kind of maybe just touch on that and you know how that has maybe changed or maybe that's something you haven't you didn't really expect to do 
Yeah, so um, as far as the counseling aspect, so we do have um, required courses in undergrad, like nutrition counseling courses. And so you really, really, really get good at asking questions and listening. So we are taught, taught to ask all open-ended questions, get their opinion, don't give any leading responses. You're really not supposed to show a ton of um, emotion or even like, yeah, that's a great answer. Or no, that's not the right answer. It's really supposed to be kind of a neutral thing, but that allows you to really get into their mind and understand where they're coming from and things like that. And, and something that um, you were saying about the athletes, you know, having these improvements and thinking that, oh, nutrition actually can help my performance. I think something that we all need to consider, and it again, it's just something that's really simple, but it gets overlooked, is nutrition really is the foundation of all performance and life in general. When you're thinking about how your cells run, um, your cells run off of the food that you give it. And so if you're not giving it the best fuel possible, how could you expect it to perform in the best way possible? So I got one quick question. So we've talked about surplus and deficit. What is safe? Like if you know, I mean, we had one guy lose like 50 pounds over three months this fall. Um, like, is there like some kind of guidelines you have for that? Like what's safe uh, for weight, both weight gain and weight loss? Yeah, so there are clinical guidelines established. So I think um, like a 20% weight loss in one year is like, it's, it's probably not safe, um, but again, like these things, when you're working with an athletic population or they are being monitored and it's intentional, then like that clinical judgment has to start coming into play because um, we can have these guidelines, but if, the, if they're getting blood tests and they're being um, overseen um, by dietitians, strength coaches, physical therapists, whoever it may be, then those things could, you know, maybe uh, be modified but as far as athletes, you know, I, I, when I was working with the high school athletes, when I first started working with them, I didn't really understand how many were one underfed and two, how quickly they could gain weight once, once they started adding calories. Um, and I did talk to a few other dietitians just to ask them, like, I have this one athlete, I started working with him in, in January. And since, so when I first started working with him in January, he was 109 pounds and now he's up to 126 pounds, like three months later, which that's to me, I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if this is okay. Like, but I did talk to other dietitians and yeah. And when you are in that chronic underfed state, it, it makes sense to maybe have that weight gain so quickly. So there are guidelines, but you know, I, if you are being overseen by a dietitian, I think, I think you can loosen them a little bit. Great, thanks. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, great cat. Yeah, it's um, I'm really, I'm really happy we were able to get you on today because you know, in our in our two years here of uh, of running the podcast, you know, nutrition has come up over and over and over again, right? In regards to working with people who are in pain, you know, into uh, in regards of of increasing athletic performance, right, in the gym and in life. Um, and this is really the first time that we were able to have a, you know, nutrition, um, you know, specific episode. So I appreciate you coming in and sharing your, your expertise. I think you were a wealth of knowledge. And I know our, our listeners are going to get a ton out of this episode. So I can't wait to share this with, uh, with everyone, all of our listeners. Well, thank you. I enjoyed being on and thank you for having me. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, great job, Kat. Thank you. Great. 
Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Training Room Talk powered by Precision Performance. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, send it to a friend. And as always, we will see you next week on Training Room Talk. Did you know we now offer done-for-you templated workouts that focus on joint stability, strength, and balance to promote both health and longevity, and improved performance and movement capabilities. We also offer individualized remote programming, one-on-one virtual PT sessions, and mentorships for both students and professionals. Visit our website, precisionperformancept.com to find out more. If you continue to like the content we are putting out, please consider donating to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash training room talk. There's some great benefits on there for you, like 20% off any of our programs or free sessions one-on-one with any of our coaches or physical therapists. Thank you. And we appreciate your support.